Our scripture reading for this morning is taken from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. You'll find it in that part of the Bible. And we're going to read the first 16 verses. And as I mentioned to the kids, we're talking about elders and deacons this morning. Why? Well, council has asked us uh, to preach and to talk about elders and deacons because we are moving into the season when we're going to be once again nominating elders and deacons for the new season, which starts uh, in July. And so this coming, the coming months, you as communities are going to be busy thinking about, especially where your elder and deacon are leaving, are going to be thinking about who in your community has the gifts and the abilities and who is God calling in your community to serve as either an elder or a deacon. And so that process is beginning and it starts uh, today. Actually, it started already in September uh, when you, some of you know that your elder or deacon is leaving this at the end of this year. And so hence, Pastor Amanda was going to preach on that this morning because of she's ill. Uh, I have her manuscript and so she's very sad about the fact that she put a lot of work into this and did some and did some communication with elders and deacons as well in order to put this message together. Um, but I'll try to do my best and lead you through her manuscript and through uh, the service that she has planned for this morning. So we're going to read from Ephesians 4, but before we do that, would you turn with me to the Lord in prayer? <clears throat> Father in heaven, as we're about to open the word, we pray that you would speak to us. Excite us, we pray, about those whom you call to serve in your church. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you would raise up new leaders from this body, and people of all ages who can serve in the respective offices as needed. We thank you, Lord, that your word teaches us about the church, teaches us about our relationship to you, but much more importantly, about your relationship, your ongoing relationship to us from year to year, from decade to decade. And so, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us through, Pastor, through the scriptures and then through Pastor Amanda's words, and we pray, O oh Lord, that we might be encouraged in our faith and excited about the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe and it was he, that is Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, 
some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to, pre to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will, grow, we, will, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're in a new decade. And leading up to the change in decades, there seemed to be a mad rush of retrospective pieces from every corner of the media. Pastor Amanda's favorite was the 10-year challenge going around on social media, where you take a photo of yourself from 2009 and compare it side by side with a picture from 2019. This was most often used by celebrities to show how little they've changed or how extreme makeup, soft lighting, personal trainers, and stylists can make you look as if you haven't changed a bit. But it was also used by friends and acquaintances to show how much life had changed for them. The 14-year-old in 2009, now 24 with a degree and wondering what to do with his life. The 22-year-old in 2009, now 32 in 2019, who spent 10 years traveling everywhere and now wonders where to make home for the next decade. The 45-year-old in 2009 with teenagers at home, now 55, with an empty house a bit too big for just two. Ten years is a long time. So much can change. Our bodies change, our families grow up, our expectations and hope sh hopes shift, our successes and failures pile up, and we change. We mature, we grow up. Whether we're 14 or 94, we continue to grow up. And I wonder if we can say the same for our faith lives. Do we continue to change? Do we mature in our faith? Do we continue to grow up, not just physically, but spiritually too? If you were to take a snapshot of your life in January 2010, your relationship with God, and compare it to this January 2020, a full 10 years on, has anything changed? How have you matured? How have you grown up in your relationship with the Lord? How would you tell the story of the last 10 years in your life of faith. Now, maybe you've already caught some echoes in these questions of the, from the portion of Scripture for us this morning. For here in the letter to the Ephesian congregation, 
Paul is giving us a clear picture of spiritual maturity, of growing up in Christ, and a pretty clear picture of the purpose of church leadership. In the first part of the letter, Paul has already laid out the whole beautiful picture, big picture of grace, and of how God has done, and how much God has done to make us his own, to claim us as his in Christ Jesus. And then he turns to the church and lays out how we are to live in response to that grace. Verse 1, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. A life worthy of the calling you have received. A life worthy of God's call is a life characterized, he says, by humility, gentleness, patience, and love, as well as peacekeeping and peacemaking. So actually, that's a good place to start, as any, to determine if you have matured in your faith. Not in how much more understanding you have about faith, but by how much more practiced you are in the ways of humility, gentleness, patience, and peace. And then Paul turns from describing how our lives should reflect our calling as disciples to the gifts given to each of us. And throughout his writings, Paul includes lists of diverse gifts given to the whole body, teaching and speaking in tongues, healing and prophecy, wisdom and discernment, and a whole list of other gifts. Yet the fundamentals always stay the same for Paul. Many gifts... One spirit who gives these gifts. But in Ephesus, Paul gives a little extra attention to the gifts of leadership for the church and to the church. Verse 11 following, So Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to equip the people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Paul names just a few leadership roles here with which the Ephesian congregation would have been familiar, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he reminds them that it was Jesus himself who gives and raises up leaders in the church, be they apostles like Paul and Peter, or prophets like the four daughters of Philip in Acts, or pastors and teachers like Priscilla and Aquila, a married couple who led one of the first Christian congregations in Corinth. But leadership, according to Paul, isn't given for leadership's sake. Leadership is given for a specific purpose, to equip the people for works of service, for works of ministry. That's the purpose, to equip the people for works of service, for works of ministry, with a very specific goal, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. The purpose of spiritual leadership in the church, whether apostles and prophets, pastors or teachers, elders or deacons, is the growing maturity of God's people. 
The words of ordination spoken at every service where we ordain elders and deacons to serve here at Community CRC echo the Apostle Paul in Ephesians. And these are the words. In the office bearers of the church, we see the love of Christ for his people. As the Lord of the church, he appoints leaders to govern in his name to promote the spiritual well-being of his people. By his spirit, he equips these leaders so that believers may grow in faith, develop disciplined Christian living, serve others in selfless love, and share with all the good news of salvation. Every elder, every deacon hears those words before they are ordained to their office. Each elder, each deacon is reminded in echoes of, of the Ephesians that the Spirit raises up and calls spiritual leaders to serve the church so that we can all grow up in faith. We use the word office a lot in Reformed circles, a lot. And it's a good word with a lot of history to it. The most common way of speaking about the spiritual leadership of our church is as office bearers. Do you know why? Why office and why bearing? Our English word office comes from a Latin word meaning duty or responsibility. Our spiritual leaders or office bearers are responsibility bearers. They are the ones who take responsibility for all of us together for our spiritual growth, our spiritual maturity as a congregation. And she writes, eek, or yikes, or. Now, if the purpose of this kind of sermon on office bearing was intended to get more people excited about being elders and deacons, you might be thinking, well, that's just too much. Get real. I can't possibly be responsible for all these folks, so count me out. And yet we continue to be amazed by the men and women who say yes to the Spirit's calling to shoulder this responsibility for a term. Pastor Amanda invited currently serving office bearers, those responsibility bearers of ours, to share about their experience as elders and deacons here at Community Christian Reformed Church. And she asked just a few prompting questions to give some direction, and there was something that deepened her appreciation for each of our elders and deacons as she read over their responses. Maybe you'll notice it too. From an elder, quote, I find unlike in the business world where leaders are expected to lead with confidence and boldness, in the church much more gets accomplished when you lead with humility and gentleness and trust God to guide what is being done. When I do things with gentleness and humility, I get to see God at work. When I try to make things happen, I'm quickly reminded to let go and let God have the control." Unquote. A deacon, quote, although I have served about a few months, I think that it's really been what has really been emphasized is the concept of serving and how really enjoyable that is. To me, the concept of serving, doing things for other people, be they members of our church or not, is a form of love. You do it because God loves you and you want to mirror that in whatever way that love manifests itself. And sometimes it may not always be easy but the environment in which it is carried out to me is a step closer 
to God, unquote. Another elder, quote, most of us will be overwhelmed at first, but we also look at it as a calling. Some of us will feel it is a privilege to serve and will be very blessed by serving. We will definitely grow and mature in our faith as we serve. When you serve, you also get a deeper appreciation for the church and all those who serve with you. And one last word from another office bearer. The calling of an elder or a deacon is real. Not just a number out of a basket. Something special happens at that moment. Unquote. Ah. Not a single one who responded to her talked about leadership in the way it often gets talked about these, de- these days, even, even in the church. Not a single one talked about leadership as getting things done or forging ahead and people will follow if they follow. And none of them talked about just leaving others behind who don't happen to follow or get it. Their description of their experience echoed the life worthy of God's call, a life characterized by gentleness and humility, peacemaking, and love for those they serve. And their shared words became living examples of what Paul is pointing us toward in this passage. Not because they're extra special Christians, and you have to be an extra special Christian to serve in office too, No, what makes these elders and deacons living examples of a life worthy of the call is that they understand deeply the dependence they have on Jesus to be able to do their work. And that's exactly where Paul directs us to look. Verse 15, speaking the truth in love will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As a congregation, we have entered into a time of transition with my leave taking at the end of May, hitting the 10-year mark in the community model. We've been doing this team ministry model for five years. And now we're wondering and praying and listening for where the Spirit might be leading us as a congregation. What decisions made now in terms of staffing and direction and priorities will shape how we grow up together in the faith over the next 10 years? Who will we be as a congregation in 2030? How will we tell the story of the next 10 years in our life together as a congregation? Will we be able to look back at this day, 2020, and be able to say, thanks be to God, we've grown up together. Look at what God has done with us and through us over the past 10 years. God's purpose for spiritual leadership in the church, whether apostles and prophets, pastors or teachers, elders or deacons, is the growing maturity of God's people. And the decisions made now, the discernment and the listening to the Spirit now will shape who we become as a congregation over the next decade. And the people God has called and equipped to lead us, our elders and deacons, our responsibility bearers, 
are the ones who will help us chart this course to follow the Spirit by doing works of ministry together so that the body of Christ may be built up as we grow into knowledge of Jesus and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. As one wise elder shared when asked how we as a congregation can pray for our spiritual leadership, the elder said, ask for the Holy Spirit to lead us because alone we will fail. And that's why during the ordination of every leader, every deacon, every elder, every pastor, we lay hands on them and we pray over them. It is an acknowledgement that from the very beginning of their ministry, it is the Holy Spirit who calls, the Holy Spirit who equips, and the Holy Spirit who guides. It is an acknowledgement that this calling is more than a volunteer position, more than a set of duties or meetings. You're not part of a committee. It's an ordained role rooted in vows and promises and prayer rooted in the promises of God for his people to lead, to guide, to build up, and to grow. Amen. In our prayer of response, we're going to close in prayer for our office bearers, our responsibility bearers this morning. And so I'd like to ask all currently serving elders and deacons who are present with us to stand for a moment and just to remain standing. If you're an elder or a deacon, just stand for a moment. There are many in this body. When we're all together, there are 38 of us who sit around the tables. Thank you for saying yes to God's call, even when it's daunting and overwhelming. Thank you for your faithful leadership and commitment to your ordination. Thank you for the time spent away from your families to help us and our families when we are in need. Thank you for loving us, serving us, equipping us, and praying for us. May you each know and experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, presence of the Holy Spirit as you serve as our spiritual leaders. And may you each grow in your own relationship with Jesus, the one who knits us all together into this one messy and beautiful body of believers. So thank you for serving. Remain standing, if you would, where you are. I'm going to ask you to, the folks around us now as we pray to, to do something, if you're comfortable with that. For those sitting near the leaders, would you stand up and lay your hands on them? And there's no age limit to this. If you're 8 or 14 or 17, you're part of the body, and you can lay hands on as well. If you're standing right around one of these, or if you're near, stand around them for a moment and pray with me as we pray this prayer. Let's pray together. Our merciful Father in heaven, we thank you that you have provided faithful and gifted people to serve as elders and deacons. As each of them continue to carry out their responsibilities, fill them with your spirit, give them your wisdom, and grant them strength and courage when the road is hard. Under their guidance and leading, 
even through a time of transition. May your church grow and mature in faith and in our works of service in your name. Help them to perform their duties with enthusiasm and humility. And in their work, give them a sustained awe that is rooted in their relationship with you. Help us to accept them gladly, encourage them always, and respect them for the sake of your precious Son, our Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.